Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. So I'm one of the many people who've picked up roller skating during the pandemic. I'm still very far from my dream of looking real cool and smooth while dancing on them. But Richard Humphrey, he's got five decades of quad skate skills under his belt. He was also part of the Golden Rollers, a trio of skaters who performed at Golden Gate Park every Sunday in the 80s. So today we're going to share an episode from our friends at the Right Nowish podcast. Host Pendarvis Harshaw sat down with this OG of the roller skating game here in the Bay Area, who's been bouncing, rocking, skating, and rolling long before it blew up on TikTok. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. How would you describe the scene when you first started skating? Man, it's just been epic uh, all these years, and I'm glad that I could say that I was there from the very beginning. Words just can't describe the feeling of just getting that role, learning how to do moves, learning how to do things. What was so cool about the, the rink days, especially the, the late 70s, man, everybody's passion was unbelievable. I mean, it was like the coolest thing in the whole world. When we started skating together, we had all our big radios, our big boom boxes. We would put two or three of them together. 
wait for a song on the radio just so we can dance. And one of the coolest things that I, and I, matter of fact, I still have one in my room today. It's called the bone phones. You just put it right over your neck and it's like a, like a little sleeve and you can just listen to the radio. You know, everybody can hear, you know, the bone phones. I was hot. So a lot of things happened in the 70s that just made skating what it is today. And it just kind of grew. Man, the first time I put on a pair of spandex, it was like, uh-oh, freedom. And then there was a TV pilot that was being filmed called Dancing Wheels. Richard and his skates were in this TV pilot. It was the bomb. Everybody was in it. Sylvester's. Stephanie Mills. The Jones girls, all the hot singers. We have no idea why it, it folded under, but it did. Close to five decades of skating. Really, back to the start. Before TikTok skating videos and COVID, how did you get started skating? I skated as a kid. My family skated. Everybody was kind of into the roller derby scene. It's like a high, really. You know, it's like, man, I just want to get that roll in. It's kind of like a hard feeling to explain to someone who doesn't do it. But once you start, it has its own thing, its own feeling. And we all just do it differently. Do it differently. I was going to So follow up question is, as an African-American person, how would you say that black folks skate differently? Hey, you know, we got that bounce. We got that swag. We got that rhythm. For a lot of us, man, we grew up with music and popping our fingers and dancing and just having fun. The skates just kind of gave it a different dimension. That's all. If you look at the history of roller skating, we were excluded. This is roller skating, America's favorite fun sport, a wholesome year-round recreation. One of our truly great all-American participant sports. When we finally were included, they gave us one night. One night of skating, which has pretty much been happening for the last whew, 40, 50 years almost, even to this day. A lot of rinks throughout the country have one night. They don't use the word black night because they got a lot of words that they different use. R&B night or rhythm night or whatever. We got names associated with the night that we're going to be there. All the other nights is just a regular night. And even to this day, we still have issues when it comes to skating and being black at rinks because when we go into a rink, we're searched. You know, they look at our bags. They're looking at our clothes. They uh, can't wear hats. Uh, such a turnoff to go to a rink and say, okay, I need you to stand up against the wall, you know, pat you down like everybody's a criminal. Ooh, I hate that. And then when we do come, cop cars outside, lined up, metal detectors when you walk in the door, all of that. It still happened to this day. But what we did find out, we don't really need a rink. If we got a smooth surface or a space, we got Bluetooth now. We don't have to have a DJ. We don't have to have live DJs anymore. That's what we do on Sundays. Regardless of whether they give us a night or not, we'll make it happen. 
I was checking out your roller dance website and there's this one photo. It's black and white. It stood out to me because it's you and two other gentlemen. And it looks like you're doing something that's temptation-esque, you know, in a diagonal formation, striking a pose, almost down to the splits. Y'all were really low to the ground with your arms stretched out and all of that. It had to be a performance. What was going on in this photo? In that photo, we were called the Golden Rollers. This just could be the best synchronized skating team in America. The Golden Rollers. They perform for free every Sunday in Golden Gate Park. Their silky moves and feats of daring do have people bringing their families out to the park just to watch them. Back in 1979, the early part of 79, we didn't have the wheels that absorbed the shock that we do now. So 1979 became epic because the polyurethane wheel came out. And once that soft wheel came out, Roller skating outdoors exploded. We all were into like the splits because the splits was like back then was like the hottest move on roller skates. If you could do the splits, you bad. For me, it was perfect because in high school, college, I was a hurdler, you know, so I ran hurdles. That was my thing. Um, so that particular move right there was straight up my alley. I mean, I could, I could go all the way down, put my chin literally on my knee and come back up and like two, two moves down, come back up and rolling all at the same time. That became like our signature pose. Every time we ended a dance, a performance, whatever, it was sort of like, thank you, you know. So that move has just been become iconic, I guess. That's incredible. As a person who can't do the splits on feet, you know, like doing it on wheels, all right, so you said a signature move. What are some of the other moves? I didn't even know that moves had names. Man, you know, when I got really into roller dancing, I thought it was real important to lock in names. So like when we're dancing, for example, we call a name or move by name and we do it. So it's like, okay, we're going to do five splits. One, two, three, heel up. So heel up was like a split, you know, and then we had like four corners or walking kick split or walking sidestep or shoulders or shimmy. Everything had a name. I write steps like people write music. I hear protection, but I also hear preservation of culture and preservation of what you created years ago. And I know that you teach now, and I'm wondering, what, what's it like to teach in the middle of COVID? What's it been like to have people come out and learn from you? Oh, man. You just don't know the feeling of watching people learn something that you learned 40 years ago. When we have our meetups, I always say, okay, everybody, you're going to learn a dance from 1979. And they're loving it because they're getting history. They're, and they're getting it right from the source. They're not getting it from a video or a book or nothing. It's like it's me right there in front of you, and I can still do all those same moves that I did back in that, in 1979. But there's, there's more to the art. It's not just the dance. It's, uh, as you mentioned before, it's kind of the swag, the attitude. Um, and, and it's also the fashion. Like that is a part of it. And I see that you have designed a pair of skates with no strings. I remember my first actually custom pair of skates was a pair of white patent leather with a little zip up on the side. I mounted it to the plates. Nobody had white patent leather skates. You know, I said to myself one day, it would be the coolest thing in the world to have my own boot. Something with my name on it. 
2009, it actually happened. I was able to uh, collaborate with Rydell Roller Skates, which is the biggest roller skate company in the world. Brought them the idea, and they said, we've never done a boot with no laces. And I was like, okay, well, that's good then. You know, so let's do our thing. It's authentic Richard Humphrey, no strings attached. And I came up with the no strings attached name because I was like, there's no laces attached to it, so that was a cool, catchy name. Roller skating is not like basketball where Curry and all these guys got all these big endorsements and all that kind of stuff. And we don't have that in roller skating. It is rare, absolutely rare, for a huge skate company like Rydell or SureGrip or any other skate company to actually endorse a person and yet alone put their name on a boot. Beautiful. Hats off to the commitment. Okay, I got one for you. So the movie ATL popularized skating for my generation, or at least repopularized it in my circle. Um, there was also a Faith Evans song, uh, I Never Knew There Was a Love Like This Before, and that used to play at the roller skate rinks. I remember that. And so I'm, I'm getting to the point of just asking you, what, what's on your roller skating playlist? Of course, back in the 70s, there was a lot of James Brown and, you know, um, but what hit home, believe it or not, one of the most popular songs ever was Bounce Rock Roll Skate. It changed the whole skate culture. And that's like the anthem of skating. And when we hear that song, it's everything. Richard Humphrey, thank you. Not only did you take time to speak with me about preserving culture and being fly on wheels, you let me into your house. You showed me your skate collection, your prized 1964 truck, which I might say is another set of some cold ass wheels. So thank you. For my people out there looking for more info on Richard and all that he has going on, follow him on Instagram at Richard Humphrey. That's where you'll find plenty of videos and a link to his website, rollerdance.com. Marisol Medina Cadena is the producer of this show. Jessica Plachik is the editor. Our engineer is Teal Muller. If you enjoy this episode or any of our work, tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a coworker, tell somebody. Rate the podcast, subscribe, download, and make sure you tune in next week. We're going to keep the good times rolling. Have a good one. Peace. Right Nowish is a KQED production. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. 
They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 